21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Great to be on the podcast. And my name is Brian McMahon. I'm the owner, the founder, and the self-proclaimed sensei over at Expert Dojo. Uh, if I give maybe a, an introduction as to what Expert Dojo do first, and then I, I can run into my journey on Expert Dojo and how I got here over the last 20 or 30 years. So first of all, very clearly, we're an accelerator for startups. And what that means is, for those folks who've not been to an accelerator before, it means that we work with very early stage companies. Uh, we invest $50,000, $100,000 into those companies. Uh, we will invest probably into somewhere between 60 and 80 companies this year. So that's one company every week or maybe even, or maybe even two companies every week, depending on how aggressive we get later on this year. And then we'll make subsequent investments into those companies if we really like how they're growing of up to a million dollars. And so we're very aggressive. And we have a couple of things which are, which are very specific about Expert Dojo as an accelerator that might be slightly different to other accelerators. Um, and any startups that have gone through an accelerator before, maybe a Techstars or a 500 Startups or a Y Combinator, what you'll be used to is mentorship. Uh, you'll be used to being introduced to investors. And maybe you'll be used to a little bit of process and some introductions to some other startups there. But that's pretty much it. And that's been the model for accelerators for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, our feeling is that that is no longer satisfactory for startups today. Anybody can get introductions to investors. That's no longer special. That's a commodity. Um, mentors, you can argue that their value is extremely limited because the good ones don't have the time and the bad ones you don't want. And introductions to other people is a good thing, but uh, you tend to find that you your introductions are, are few and far between. So we feel actually that when it comes to the early stage space, the war is against speed um, or against time, right? And then the only friend that you have is how fast that you can actually, you can get to where you need to get to. So everything we do is based on growth. And we consider ourselves to be an international hyper growth accelerator. So we don't really help people find investors. We know thousands mm -hmm. of investors, but we don't believe that finding investors is the problem. We believe it's merely a symptom of the problem. We believe that slow growth is the problem. So we will, of course, put the startups in front of investors. But what we will do much more importantly is that we will focus massively on driving the growth of the startups within their company. And that means looking at their brand, their personal brand, their PR, their partnerships. We look at their digital marketing. We look at their SEO and their natural marketing. And we look at just their messaging and even to the extent of teaching them how to sell. And even though some folks may say, I know how to sell, I promise you, you don't because it is a lost art. You know how to send emails because that's the only thing that's been taught for the last 30 years. So we're very focused on that. We've got a tremendous amount of experts in the space. 80% of our companies are international companies. And um, so we have, even though we're based in Santa Monica, in California, and the majority of those companies are from everywhere. We've invested in this year so far, two companies in Estonia, a couple of companies in Canada, four or five out of India, two out of Africa, a couple out of Latin America, some more out of Scandinavia. Uh, we invested we invest in an Irish company, maybe. Um, an English company, yes. Um, so we have investments, I would say, of the current 100 companies we have investments into, that would probably total at least 
60 different countries or 60, 65 different countries. So a crazy amount of countries. We love international founders and we love minorities. We love female founders. And that's kind of where we cut our teeth. I've held on this planet for 52 years and, and that means that I've had the chance to see a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff. Uh, and I came out of Ireland originally, left Ireland when I was 20, uh, moved over to the UK, did property development over in the UK. I uh, didn't do anything huge. We never really had any more than 10, 15 properties, um, but it was fine. We, we had a nice living from it and we did very well. And anybody who's been in property development over a period of time, you know, that you never lose money if you can stay in property development for a long period of time. You only lose money when you run out of money to stay in property development. So we did well for, for a long period of time there. Um, and I then had the privilege to live in many places around Europe. Um, and I was with a company called Regis. Um, and I also had a consultancy whereby we were helping folks find their own office space, uh, which went great. But that gave me the privilege of living in places like Russia for a while. I lived in Spain, uh, where we still have a house over there. Um, crikey, a bunch of places in Europe. Also, all over Latin America, everywhere from Mexico to Panama to Peru to Chile, over to China for many, 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 many months after that all the way through Southeast Asia. Goodness, I can hardly even remember most of the places, but Thailand and Indonesia and Bali and Singapore and Malaysia and all those wonderful places and Vietnam. And, and yeah, I've really been just being very blessed in life. I've had a number of different startups, which has allowed me to live in all those different countries. Um, and, and, and really, I, I, I don't want to say I, I never faced any challenges in life, but compared to people who did face challenges in life, I consider I never face challenges in life. My health has always been really good, which I'm blessed with. Uh, I have a beautiful child, I have a great family, and, and I was privileged to be in the startup space for many, many, many years, for which I didn't go through the, the absolute terrible things that I've seen and heard many people go through. Um, and that took me over to the US. Uh, when I got to the US, spent, Crikey lived in Houston and Austin and Dallas and in uh, Boston, Chicago, San Diego, many, many places, um, New York, until I find my way down to Santa Monica, where I've been for the last seven or eight years. And, and I would say since I got here, this was when my, my real epiphany moment came. Because up until this moment, everything had been pretty relaxed. Everything had gone pretty well. I'd been very blessed to have lived in so many great places. And, and I was in Santa Monica in a, in a very, very, very good state of mind where I just was looking forward to what was going to come next. And then I noticed something which I hadn't seen before. And that is that a lot of folks are failing. And when you read TechCrunch or whatever news journals that come out or whatever government people that are talking about startup, they only talk about the unicorns, the $100 million companies, the $500 million companies, the great successes that are being had. But nobody speaks to the dirty secret that lies within startup. And that is how many folks actually fail. And what failure really looks like, and failure does not look like a stage sitting on TechCrunch talking about like your great, amazing journey that you went through and all the lessons you learned. 
you know, failure looks like you know a lost wife or husband you know kids that you don't spend time with uh, houses that you lose and get repossessed you know a broken mind which some people never ever ever come back from and and there it was really it was a very interesting because you could say well why didn't you notice this for the years before and i genuinely don't know and i think many people don't really notice it it's a little bit maybe like looking at homeless people on the side of the street where one day you look at a homeless person and you think wow that's really sad and, you, and somebody says well you've seen 10,000 homeless people like why didn't you do something before and it's just a moment of realization or when your eyes are opened and that happened to me to me here and it happened to me in Santa Monica and I, and I, I had met all of these startups and everybody had this great journey and Brian, I'm going to build this epic company and it's going to be fantastic and we're going to change the world and it's going to be great. And then they disappear nine months later or maybe 18 months later, right? Mm -hmm. And so where do they all go to? You know, it's like when you see some cockroaches which are around the house and they, and they suddenly, and they disappear, but where do they go? Like you don't know where they disappeared to. Do they die and disappear? Do they become an Uber driver? Do they go back to Ohio or Detroit? It's like, if you ever saw that movie, Children of the Corn, where you get to a certain age and then you go into a field <laughs> and then you, you never come back. <laughs> And that's what happens with early stage startup, 98, 99%, and probably a, a far higher percentage of that end up going into this metaphorical field. And then they never, ever, ever come back again. And some will try again, right? Maybe one, two, three times, but many are broken. And, and, and what I really wanted to understand, I don't want to understand how to make a unicorn. Like there's a perfectly manipulated, contrived Ponzi scheme, which has been in existence for many years to make unicorns. They, they don't need this random Irish guy to help them do that. And But I was really fascinated to understand how can we potentially avoid failure? How can we court success? And then how can we redefine success? And by the way, success does not mean having a billion dollar company. Nobody who's listening to your podcast knows how to spend a billion dollars, nor do they care how to spend a billion dollars. What's important is the number 12 and a half, because 12 and a half million dollars is what is needed to be perfectly happy for the rest of your life. Twenty-first Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. Why not 13 or 12? Why? But it's just the number that was it was the number that was taken out right okay. it was the number that was used but but i mean look you could live and you could live for for five million dollars for two million dollars if you went to the right place but twelve and a half million dollars is the number that if you have it in your bank account you can kind of live in most places in the world you can get a nice house for yourself in most places in the world and if you're relatively okay with spending money and you don't have any nasty habits you're going to have a good life so what i'm saying is nobody strives nobody says i really want to achieve a twelve and a half million dollar exit for me Everybody's like, I want to achieve a billion dollar exit. Well, why do you want to achieve a billion dollar? You, what, you think this exit is for you? This exit isn't for you. This exit is for the venture capitalists. You're no more than the mule that carries the money to the venture capitalists to make it to the end. It's a game. It's a scheme. And the problem is most people don't realize this. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand. So I, And look, the great thing about being around this world for a little while 
is that you get an understanding of things. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not even an anger about things or a frustration about things. That's earlier on. That's when you're mm -hmm. in your 20s and your 30s and maybe your 40s. But once you hit your 50s, you hit an understanding of things. And when you get to an understanding of things, you're much better prepared to actually do stuff that makes a difference because you're approaching it from a place of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do exactly the same thing. And I believe that, I believe the world is inherently full of bias. I mean, we, we hear about anti-Asians, anti-Asian hatred in America. Obviously, we've had all of the African-American problems that have happened um, from Floyd back in the day. Um, and, and people talk very nicely about it. And everybody says they're going to do nice things. But at the end of the day, bias is there and bias will always be there. And bias exists in startup the same way that it exists in the, in, in the outside startup world. So I didn't want to go out and say, let's just change the world and make it a prettier, more beautiful place. And let's all hug a tree and become friends because it's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. This system, the way it's set up right now, absolutely funnels billions of dollars into very few pockets. And those people are not going to give that up easily. Mm -hmm. And so I went away and we, we studied them and we watched them and we tried to see what the potential outcome could be. And could we come up with something a little bit smart that was going to position startups in a better place and maybe put us in a place where we can actually help and we can get engaged and get involved. Maybe be the Linda McCartney of the era when the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and maybe the greatest bands in the world are coming out. And so we studied them. And we took 100 companies into Santa Monica. I took a place on top of the mall, a great 8,000 square foot unit right on top of the Santa Monica shopping mall. They gave us a great deal on it. And we thought we would be there for three months. Mm -hmm. And that was six years ago. Um, and we found out something with the companies. Now, the first thing we found out is that our governments are a joke. Right now, that's hardly a surprise. We all know that most people go into government because they're pretty much useless for everything else in the world. Right. And that's that's OK. And most people in government realize that they went into government because they're pretty much useless for everything else in the world. But I do think they should make a slight effort on our kids education or otherwise we're all going to go to school and we're going to come out the other side. And all we're going to be ready for is a job that hasn't existed in 40 years. So we should be preparing everybody for entrepreneurship we should be teaching them for like a vocation and instead what we're doing is we're getting tony robbins type lectures and telling people to just do it you know get yourself some nike sneakers and you can be be the one that's gonna <laughs> yeah, sure. thing happen right and it's not even just american i wish it was you know even over in europe now i see this rubbish coming out and the problem is if you're not prepared if you're not structured if you're not ready if you haven't been given the tools it's like sending somebody into battle in in hand-to-hand -hand combat with somebody who's got a sword and a machine gun and you're going you know what if your mind is strong you too will be strong well no you just got shot with a machine gun son uh -huh. so so for me it was about how do we make sure that we create an educational program that is actually going to help startups? And then we look deeper in and we're like, ah, it's not just education. The other problem is that one, especially in America, like the, maybe I don't want to say the only thing, but possibly the greatest thing that America has is their ability to storytell. Right. Mm -hmm. If they didn't, we wouldn't watch John Travolta and Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and all those wonderful Hollywood movies with their great storytelling. We didn't we wouldn't watch it. We watch it because they encapture us. 
And then this lean startup rubbish came out, you know, a number of years ago, which, which said to everybody, you know what, branding, storytelling, effort, spending time actually creating something that's worth creating, let's not bother with that because it's so tiring and time consuming. Why don't we get the quickest piece of shit that we can make, put it out to our customers, and then ask them how much of a piece of crap it is. That's what we're going to do. And that's what people have done for the last 10 or 15 years. And that's why the products that we see going out to the market are worse and worse and where they stand. So we thought, okay, so we know that education is important. We know that branding is important. And then the final area for us really is growth is if the only way that startups are really thinking of growth right now is give me lots of money because you're an investor. I'm going to give Zuck a lot of money because he's got a nice platform for me to get clients. And then I'll get customers and then you give me more money. Like that's the model. Mm-hmm. It's the model like none of us have got a brain. Mm-hmm. And I just think we can do better than that. Like we can create sales funnels. We can create messaging. We can f- try and build community. We can try and get folks engaged and involved on a level that's never been done before. So we built, we built that in. And then we thought to ourselves, okay, if bias inherently exists in the venture capital space, and we know that just saying women are better than men or minorities have got the same opportunities as non-minorities is not going to work on its own. The only thing that's going to work is superior results through a combination of better education, which means they're better prepared, better brand, which means they have better messaging and better growth, which means that they're doing better than the startups that have more money. Well, you will find that the later stage VCs will suddenly desert all of their boys and girls from Stanford and Berkeley and Yale and all of the nice colleges that their children went to that they intended to give them a unicorn for their birthday. And they will move in towards the newcomers that are doing the business. And that's our whole model. And we decided, okay, great. Now we have the model. We're going to invest. We're going to put it into startups. But the money we give is not the important part. The important thing that we do is we drive results. Every minute of every day is about driving results and nothing else. Um, and so we've, we've, we've taken that model. So we've put it into 100 companies so far. Uh, we intend to invest in up to about 1,000 companies over the next while. Uh, we obviously have a very high percentage of women entrepreneurs that come through. We obviously have a very high percentage of minorities that come through. If you asked me what percentage of minorities come through, I would say to you, who cares? Mm-hmm. Because I know we have so many that come through. And I know that when they walk through the door, because we care about results. Mm -hmm. So walk through the door and show me that you can drive better results. Walk through the door and show me you're a better fist fighter than the person who's over there, who's been given all this money and you get your, your Willy Wonka chocolate factory ticket. Uh, And that's the whole basis and the foundation of what we built over the last three to five years. And now we're in this wonderful position where, we want to build it from, from 100 companies to 1,000 companies. Uh, we want to have everything from transformational media accelerator programs. Uh, we're just launching our, the first ever U.S. Africa-only cohort. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to have 20 companies by the end of this year that we're going to do investments into. Uh, we have a healthcare cohort that we're launching as well. Um, and each one are very small cohorts, 10 to 12 companies, very tight companies, all working together, all driving together. And just, 
you know, I've probably said enough, but really, really exciting times. And, you know, I used to think that our objective was to level the playing field, was to like turn the Silicon Valley elite on their asses, to allow the great entrepreneurs, the ordinary people with extraordinary ideas, the opportunity to really break through. But I actually don't even want us to do that anymore. I, I don't need to be quite so revolutionary. I'm pretty comfortable that rich people can stay rich. I got no problem with that. I don't want to even the, the playing field because that means rich people have to be poorer. I just want to tilt it up. So I want Expert Dojo to be the system that actually helps spark a small revolution that allows those folks who deserve to build great companies the ability to be able to fight through. Sounds absolutely amazing. What's your business model? What's your organizational structure? Are there well, we, any VAs or, or do, do you, are there full, full-time jobs or, or how, I mean? So we have, we're broken into, it's a super question because like the, the structure of how you support dictates if you're actually able to support, right? Because one thing is talking about stuff, another thing is doing stuff. And at the beginning when we started, it was me and two or three other people. And then a few mentors and a few experts who came through and then people who just got emotionally involved with what we were pulling together. And, and then we started to bring in some fantastic people. So Isabel runs our investment team. She's got a team of four people. All they do, all day, every day, is they're outreaching to investors and getting them engaged and bringing them in. We don't do demo days at the end. We do introductions all the way through the program. Uh, we then have our strategy, uh, strategy group, which is led by me, and that works with all of the companies individually to make sure that those companies are ready. And we got a few folks in there as well. We've then got our growth hacking group, which has got another four people in that team, and all they're doing is working with the cohort to bring them through too. And then we have like all of our support, and which is exactly what you say, VAs, a couple of folks over in the Philippines, uh, uh, more inter, I don't even know how many interns we have. We've got so many interns working for them. Uh, we also have managing directors of each of the individual cohorts and those managing directors are to work with the companies as well. We also have a diligence bench and the diligence bench has to work with those companies as well. So the idea is that we have this mass of people that are always supporting them. Now we also have a program which I truly believe is the best educational program in the United States, bar none. And it's because we focus really strongly on vision, really strongly on brand, really strongly on personal brand. We build their business plans. We then go through an investor hell week after that. We then put them through a growth hacking course, which lasts for another eight weeks. And then we take out the best of the best of the best. And we put them through an army training, a, a Navy SEAL resilience course that actually would then test them to be able to keep on driving the revenue that they're driving. So we've put together a pretty good structure, pretty good organization. Um, and I can tell you, there's nobody who's gone through our, our program in the last year that will tell you it's anything other than transformational. It's really, really in your face and very in depth. Um, and so the result, look, we're still very new, right? We only started two and a half years ago, really with the investing. Um, so our companies are breaking through and they're doing very well, but the proof in the pudding is going to be in about seven to 10 years time. That's our model. Our model is we put money into companies, we make good choices, we make a ton of money on the back end by those companies exiting. We then have a ton of money in Expert Dojo and then we focus on our real mission, which is 
for everybody in the world to have an equal opportunity to be able to start up a company, irrespective of age or race or religion or gender or anything, everybody, whether they're in the smallest village in Africa or whether they're in like the highest tower in, in the city of London. And it's very possible because we have all these opportunities. Like why could some Indian kid not get access to drop shipping for products that come from India or China to be able to sell them? Why not? Of course they can. They just don't know how to. So that's the game we're in. And I think, uh, I think it's a really exciting time right now, maybe more exciting than any time in the last 30 years. How would you define transformation? I mean, you spoke about transformation. Huh? What's what's the what's the the, the, the point A, the, the the beginning of the process? What's the end? How 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 am I transformed after your education and the whole process? You know, I could paint a picture of a caterpillar and turning into a butterfly and flying away, but this is early stage startup. So it's a caterpillar that just is a less ugly caterpillar, right? Uh -huh. So what happens is this, when you start a company, we, uh, well, let me actually, uh, this would probably be interesting for you. And, and as, a, as, a, as a guy, and especially as an Irish guy, everything is kind of related to war, <laughs> especially because it's early stage startup. So when we bring their folks in, we say, look, you're going to go through four phases. First phase is your Viking phase. Now, what if, because we want to really clearly put in their mind what they actually do and what they need to do on a daily basis. And, and the reason we need to do this is because so many startups spend so long pontificating and discussing the hypothetical benefits of the potential change within the synchronous. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like listening to a clubhouse discussion, right? All you hear is BS all the time and people don't even know they're talking BS. They just have really big, long words that they need to use and they bring them into the conversation. And we just want folks to do stuff. Like Vikings don't have board meetings. They don't even have boards. They don't even have advisors, right? They don't even have people that clean their houses. The only thing they do is they just wake up in the morning and they're like, hey, we haven't sacked a village in a couple of months. Why don't we go and massacre an entire village and take all their stuff? Like they don't think, oh, let's just go over there and maybe just take what we need for today. No, the village is ours. And then on their way over, as they're sharpening their teeth on the boat, and it's only a small little boat because they don't want to spend a lot of time building huge big boats. They just need something that's going to get them there. And then when they go on their way there, they're sharpening their teeth and the stories of them sharpening their teeth go across the oceans. And suddenly those stories of six foot Vikings turn into eight foot Vikings. And then those like three inch teeth or two inch teeth turn into seven inch teeth. And by the time the story reaches the village and those hundred Vikings are arriving into a village which is a thousand or two or three thousand people the village run away in terror of these Vikings coming into town so the Vikings arrive and they just take the things they want and they leave and that's the power of brand so when we're speaking to our early stage startups we say three things brand outreach communication no point in having a brand if you don't tell people about it. There's no point in having communication if you're not able to get up your lazy ass and go out there and actually approach people. But you sure as hell better not be in planning mode first thing in the morning. You better be in action mode first thing in the morning. You've got the whole evening to plan. No meetings in the morning. 
meetings in the afternoon to discuss what you achieved in the morning. Mm-hmm. And don't you dare not have an objective. Like you better sure as heck know how many villagers you're going to attack in that town and how much stuff you're going to steal and take back in your boat. And you better make sure that if you don't get enough stuff on your boat, well, then you plan to go and sack another town tomorrow. And so that's very, it, it creates a very clear picture in their head. And what we'll say to a lot of our startups is, look, this is the first 18 months of your existence. For some companies, it's the first five years. And that's, and that's the problem. They don't realize they're Vikings. They think that they're lords, right? They bought T-shirts. I've got a T-shirt. They bought, they've got business cards. Their business card says founder. It looks beautiful, right? And they go into a bar with their friends. No, they don't go to a bar, actually. They go to a coffee shop with their friends. And they put their card on the table and they say, look at that. I am the CEO. Who's the CEO of a Viking ship? They don't have a friggin' CEO for crying out loud. You don't have a CEO. You just have a bunch of hairy males and females who haven't shaved in a couple of months because you haven't had time to because you're out there sacking villages. So we really put that in their head. And that's what I mean by transformational. Like it's a ridiculous transformational because we're not teaching something that a 12-year-old wouldn't know. But we're teaching something, we're unteaching all of the BS that they've learned from all of these videos and these wonderful people who tell the four-hour work week, the planet and it will come crowd, you know, the come by startup is wonderful, it's great. It's not. It's a battle. And you will die. And that death is bloody and nasty and horrible unless you do something about it up front. And then so if you do that really well and you can build your revenue, let's say let's say a good revenue number to get out of the Viking period is between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a month. Now you're bringing in enough money. You can hire good people. You can hire people who actually shave like you got like all kinds of opportunities here Like you can take non Vikings and go for folks who are different. So what's different than a Viking? Well, now you're moving into the gladiator phase. And what do gladiators have? They have a lot of training. They have a lot of process. They have a lot of procedure. Like you don't see a gladiator going into the arena saying, well, I haven't really done much practice over the last month or so. No, their masters have them training all day, every day. When they walk in that arena, they've done this, 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 this with their hand a hundred times. So by the time they then have to fight, they know every move and they have it worked out. So we move the companies into a place of you need to build efficiencies. You need to build processes. You need to start with the outline of what a really good team will look like. So the pressure is taken off you because otherwise you are building a house on sand. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you actually have the ability to do it. And that structure is really important. We also really focus on investment at that stage because now you've earned the right to look for investment. And for you to build a truly world-breaking team and a world-breaking product, and you want to shave two or three years off your development, you need to get some decent investments. So now you need to know how to raise investment. Now you need to know how to build a product. Now you need to know how to do things properly. And we, we work with them through all of that. And then after that, you move into what we call the Knights of the Round Table stage, which can be like three, four years after that. And in that stage, that's when every single person around that table, marketing, tech, blah, 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 HR, everybody, they're all better than you in all of their tasks. 
And then you go into the sensei stage and the sensei is when you then decide where your chess pieces go and how your company then dominates the world, right? You become the grand master where you start to look where it's going to go. And it just paints a very clear picture in people's head. So, so it's, yeah, it's a really beautiful transformation because it's not a transformation into a beautiful butterfly. It's just a caterpillar with more armor. There are many philosophies about how to grow a company, and there are many great people, many, many far better qualified than I to be able to tell you how to grow your company. Only thing I can tell you from all of my time on this planet is that there are doers and there are talkers, and doers generally are more successful as long as they have the ability to look and see where they're going. Now, we will say to all of our companies, generally when you're starting, and I mean, when you're six, 12 months into it, your company is normally, you never pivot or change direction. That doesn't happen. What happens is this, your company is only 13 or 14% formed. And because it's only 13 or 14% formed, every no that you get, it gets you to 14.5%. Every yes and every change you get brings you to 15, 16, 17%. And if you're building your company like that, you're not afraid of what the future is going to bring. You embrace it. You look for it. You search for the truth. You become a doer and go out there and find out how you can get your company from 14 to 22% and not 14 to 16%. And that's what we really believe in. So look, we believe truly we're in the Viking stage of our journey as a venture capitalist. And, and, and I, I relish that stage. There's, no, there's nothing I would rather do. Now, as we get companies that starts moving on into the gladiator stage as well, and we'll build that up and we'll get stronger amongst ourselves in the same way that our startups do it. Love that we're on that journey with those companies. Anyone in Europe who's looking for investment, we love investing in international companies. That's what we do. Any investors who are saying, I want to invest in companies, we love investors who are looking to invest in international companies. And we create those two cradles and we push them the same way. If investors come in, we say, guys, we want you to make a massive effort to support these startups. We don't just want your money. There's plenty of money around. Money is just a commodity, but your help in helping them grow is going to be really good as well. Anybody can always contact me by email. I'm always very happy to give it out. It's brian at expertdojo.com. Um, website is expertdojo. You can pretty much get all of the information. Our terms as an accelerator are pretty standard terms. You're not going to get any huge surprises there. Startup is a beautiful thing. We absolutely love it. We especially love the early stages. We love investing in any company that's coming through. Look, we specialize in international, but really we're a bridge to and from America for absolutely everybody. And you can just look at the website and check it out and see everything that we have there. And you'll find out everything that we're doing. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.